Welcome to our study on trusting God. Today we're going to be looking at three areas that people find hard to trust God in. First, we're going to look at nature, dealing with the weather and, and natural disasters. And then second, we'll look at physical afflictions. And third, being able to have children or not. First, let's start with nature. Whenever you look at nature, you not only see God's beauty, but you also see his power, don't you? For example, we live in such a wonderful place here that we can enjoy God's creation every day, can't we? Living along the ocean, we see its beauty at various times of the day and seasons. You see, sometimes the ocean is so calm that it looks like a lake, doesn't it? And then other times, it's so rough and the waves are crashing and it's just beautiful to see the waves coming in and crashing against the rocks. Sometimes you'll be walking along the beach and just admiring the beauty and kind of getting lost in just your thoughts as you're walking along and, and seeing everything. But you really need to watch out for those sleeper waves, don't you? Because they can catch you off guard and end up sweeping you out to the ocean. There is so much power and yet there is so much beauty all together in nature. When you look at the rivers, you see the beauty of the water flowing through the winding path as it cascades down through the rocks with the beautiful landscaping all around it. Yet there is power here also in the flow of the water. As the current gets stronger and stronger, there are actually areas that can suck you under before you know it, and it's hard to get back up. We see in Scripture that God controls all the forces of nature, doesn't he? Both destructive and productive on a continuous moment-by-moment -moment basis. Let's look at Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 to 26. It says, Now when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the, on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. When his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. We see here in Matthew that the Lord and his disciples were in a boat. And the Lord was sleeping while the waves just covered the boat. The disciples, they were afraid and anxious, and they wanted the Lord to wake up and save them. But the Lord wasn't fearful, was he? Because he knew he was in control of the sea. All he had to do is simply rebuke the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Just one word, and God controlled the sea and the wind. Look at Psalms 147.18. It says, He sends out His word and melts them. He causes His wind to blow and the waters to flow. And then look at Jeremiah 10, verse 13. It says, When He utters His voice, there is a multitude of waters in the heavens, and He causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain he brings the wind out of his treasuries. Ladies, God didn't create nature 
to walk away and let it go. It is sustained by God. How do you think the trees survive in the forest? How do the hills stay so green, graced with wildflowers? How do the flowers know just when to bloom, and the maple trees know when to change color and drop their leaves? Ladies, it is through God's sovereign plan. Psalms 147, 8 says, Who covers the heavens with clouds? Who prepares rain for the earth? Who makes grass to grow on the mountains? And then we look over to Job, chapter 37, verse 6. And it says, For he says to the snow, Fall on the earth. Likewise, to the gentle rain and to the heavy rain of his strength. Notice here that Job is saying that he says even the rain falls to the earth and the gentle rain and heavy rain are in his strength. Living here with 70 plus inches of rain a year, we have seen all types of rain, haven't we? Between the light gentle rains, the misty rains, the downpours where it just dumps on you, and then you have that sideways rain with the wind gusts. Well, Scripture says that God controls all of them. Now, God not only uses weather to sustain nature and us, but He also withholds it in times of need to draw us back to Him for correction. Now, let's turn over to Amos chapter 4. And let's look at verses 7 through 9. It says, I also withheld rain from you when there were still three months to the harvest. I made it rain on one city. I withheld rain from another city. One part was rained upon, and where it did not rain, the part withered. So two or three cities wandered to another city to drink water. But they were not satisfied. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. I blasted you with blight and mildew. When your gardens increased, your vineyards, your fig trees, and your olive trees, the locusts devoured them. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. Think about that. How powerful that God here is with holding the water from flowing and yet they're not getting the picture are they how many times do we do that where God sends a trial our way and we just don't get the message we miss it just like they did and sometimes God has to keep sending those trials doesn't he until we actually get it well not only is it for correction but sometimes he uses it to bring judgment of sin also Remember, in Genesis chapter 6 through 8, God brought the great flood upon humanity as a judgment of sin. And then we see also that God exercised judgment by orchestrating plagues in Exodus and Numbers. When the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah, that was definitely sin, wasn't it? Judgment. He told Abraham and Lot, that he had destroyed the cities because of their sin, as we see in the book of Genesis in chapters 18 and 19. And then we look over to Jonah, chapter 1, verse 12. 
And we see here that Jonah's disobedience prompted God to send a storm to rock the ship that carried Jonah. God is in control of nature, isn't he? Both destructive and productive. Moment by moment, every second of the day, just as he is in control of our lives, moment by moment, every second of the day. Job 37, verses 10 through 13 say, By the breath of God, ice is given, and the broad waters are frozen. Also with moisture, he saturates the thick clouds. He scatters his bright clouds, and they swirl about, being turned by his guidance, that they may do whatever he commands them on the face of the whole earth. He causes it to come, whether for correction or for his land or for mercy. Isn't that powerful? He swirls it about, turning it by his guidance. It shows that he is in control here. And they do whatever he commands them to do on the face of the whole earth. And then, ladies, notice in verse 13, it says, He causes it to come, whether for correction or for his land or for mercy. So there is three aspects here. It's not always just for judgment of sin. Sometimes it's simply for nourishment, sometimes for correction, and sometimes for judgment. Isn't it comforting to know that God is in total control? That He will calm the sea when it roars. That He is in every snowflake that falls, every raindrop, every aspect of nature, whether good or bad, whether destructive or productive. Matthew 5, verse 45 says, That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for He makes His sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. He doesn't have any partiality here. He sends on both. Now, as you know, I am partial to sunshine. And I do find myself dreading another day of rain and hoping for sunshine. But with this week's lesson, I have really had to re-examine my perspective. I have had to really be conscious of my attitude towards the rain. It seems like it's been a really long winter month this year. And I know God is in control of the weather, and I know that He knows best. But I do find myself longing for sunshine. I feel energized when it's sunny, and yet when it's rainy and foggy, I get sluggish. Sometimes I think it's a matter of perspective. It's your attitude towards the rain. I say this because... My husband and I have battled water under my in-laws' house and our house for years and had to personally do extensive work to correct the problem that were caused by the builders. So every time it rained, it meant work. So I have a little different perspective when it comes to the rain. We had to dig up over 80 feet of pipe and relay heavier Schedule 30 pipe. We were found... We had found that the builders had put the sweeps going in the wrong direction. They were leading the water towards the house instead of away from it, so we had to correct that. And then my husband had to carry in over 300 bags of cement underneath the house to create a berm that went the whole parameter of the house 
to contain the water as well as putting in sump pumps to, to drain and take the water out until we could fix it. Well, we finally were able to fix the problems by putting in French drains and we laid pipes to catch the water and, and it would carry it away from the house. So now when it rains, we don't have to worry anymore. Praise the Lord. He helped us to fix it and find where the water was all coming from. But it was a long battle. Well, we actually had two contractors come and ask us how we did our French drains and the material that we used because they had inspectors requiring them to do it. In fact, my husband was known as the water guy down at the hardware store and um, because we had been down there so many times getting supplies. But one thing we had to come to terms with was whether the weather merely disrupted our plans or destroyed our homes, we needed to learn to see God's sovereign and loving hand controlling it. Even when crooked builders were the cause of the problems, God allowed it. Now, a lot of times in life, we tend to remember the bad weather, don't we? And we take for granted the good weather. You ever notice when they do a review of the news, it is the disasters that are mentioned and remembered? You don't ever hear them say how many good days we had in the year, do you? Did you realize that within the last nine and a half years, there has been ten earthquakes, two hurricanes, one tsunami, one heat wave, one cyclone, one flu pandemic, and even one volcano eruption. Now, with all of these disasters, there's been a lot of deaths. A lot of people lost their homes and became homeless. And you may think, how could God be involved in allowing so many deaths with all of these natural disasters? Why would God allow this to happen? In fact, that very question was asked on national TV to a pastor when the earthquake hit Hades earlier this year where 230,000 plus people died. His answer was this, that we have a tendency a lot of times to look at one instance like this. But did you know how many people actually die every day because of the fall of man? According to the CIA World Factbook Report, 250,000 people die every day. That is based on a population of about 7 billion with a life expectancy of about 72 years. Ladies, that is a quarter of a million people die every day because of the fall of man. And yet, we don't think anything of it, do we? But when it's publicized, like this, when you have a disaster, people sit up and they look and they listen and they say, why? Why would God allow that? And yet today, 250,000 people are going to die. And we don't even think about it. Ladies, we need to be aware that even the earthquakes, even the hurricanes, all the natural disasters, God is in control. God himself does take responsibility in scripture. Let's look at Isaiah 45 verse 7. 
It says, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. It doesn't say I make peace and keep peace all the time. No, it says I make peace and create calamity. Well, even the insurance companies call natural disasters an act of God, don't they? One person who definitely knew that God was in control as he lost everything also was Job. And yet Job said in chapter 1 verse 21, Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Ladies, we all need to cultivate that type of attitude towards disasters, don't we? The second area that people find hard to trust God in is physical afflictions. Now, God allows the earthquakes, the tsunamis, the um, natural disasters, just as he allows physical afflictions to come upon us. Now, you recall when God called Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, he protested with his inadequacies, didn't he? Including the fact that he stuttered. He didn't think he would be able to do it. But notice what the Lord's response was. Let's turn over to Exodus chapter 4 and look at verse 11. It says, So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seen, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? He says, Who has made man's mouth? Now he is reassuring Moses here not to worry that he will be speaking through him. It doesn't matter if he stutters or not. God will speak through him. He created his mouth and he will help him speak. But also notice that the scripture tells us that he also makes the mute, the deaf, and the blind. Right? These physical afflictions are not merely the products of defective genes or accidents. They are a part of God's sovereign plan. Dr. Donald Barnhouse, one of the great Bible teachers of the mid-20th century, once said, No person in this world was ever blind that God had not planned for him to be blind. No person was ever deaf in this world that God had not planned for that person to be deaf. If you do not believe that, You have a strange God who has a universe which has gone out of gear and he cannot control it. Remember, ladies, if there is one thing that God does not have control of, then we cannot trust him, can we? Scripture confirms that God is in control. Therefore, we can trust him with every aspect of our life. God does have a plan. He has a purpose for each and every one of us. He works through all types of circumstances to fulfill his plan, even if that plan means that we are blind. Let's look over to John chapter 9, and let's read verses 1 through 3. It says, Now as Jesus passed by, he said a man who was blind from birth, 
And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Ladies, John is talking here about a man who was blind from birth. But notice in the scripture that it doesn't say that he was blind because of sin. It doesn't say he was blind because of some natural defect. In Jewish culture, many people that all calamities and sufferings say are resulted from sin. And so this is why they're questioning. But this man suffered so that God could be glorified. Ladies, whatever your physical affliction is, whether God has healed you of it or not, we are to glorify God in it, aren't we? Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7-10. through 10. It says, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that I might be depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, make gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs, in persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Ladies, Paul suffered with a thorn in his flesh to prevent him from being prideful. Notice that in verse 10, he says that he takes pleasure in the infirmities and the reproaches and the needs, the persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. We need to glorify God in every aspect of our life. Now, the person that comes to my mind when I think of someone who glorifies God in her afflictions is Joni Erickson Tata. Due to a diving accident in 1967, Joni became a quadriplegic in a wheelchair. Her life is a wonderful example of faith and perseverance through difficult times. Today, she is an internationally known mouth artist, a talented vocalist, a a radio host. She's an author of 17 books and an advocate for disabled persons worldwide. She could have been bitter, couldn't she, after this diving accident. She was very young. But instead, she uses her disability to glorify God and help others. So no matter what we are going through, God is at work in our life, isn't he? Now, God may use our experience to help advise and encourage others who pass through those same trials. Or, He may use our suffering to break through the hardness of another person and bring about change in them. And God may use our endurance in suffering rather than the suffering itself to be an encouraging example to somebody else. Now, ladies, you may be feeling as though you are being swallowed up by the storms of life. 
and you may feel as if the waves are crashing down around you. But remember, God controls the storms in your life. He is there with you and he promises that he will never leave you. Now the third area that people have a problem with is being childless. Now this could be a very sensitive subject for some people. But when you think about it, if God controls every aspect of your life, if he knows you before you were even born and chose you to be his child, don't you think he has control whether you conceive also? Let's look at scripture. Psalms 139 verse 13 says, For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. In Genesis chapter 16 verse 2, we see that the Lord restrained Sarah from being having children. And then Hannah, her womb was closed as we see in 1 Samuel 1, 5. Rachel was barren and the Lord opened Leah's womb in Genesis 29:31. And then in Judges 13:3, we see that the angel of the Lord said to Samson's mother before his birth, "You are barren and have borne no children." but you shall conceive and bear a son. Lady, it's a matter of trusting God, isn't it? In every aspect of our life. Now, I have come to terms with this years ago, that it was in the hands of God if my husband and I were going to have children. It wasn't up to us. It was up to God and what his plan was for our lives. I feel that he has given me a gift by not having children, to glorify his name, as I have been able to share with young women who have tried so hard to have a child and get so devastated when they are not able to. I have been able to encourage them to trust God even when he says no. So, ladies, we may suffer at times, right? From natural disasters, from physical afflictions, and from not being able to have children. But we do know that God never wastes a pain. He never wastes a hurt. He always has a plan and a purpose for our lives, and we will do whatever it takes to fulfill that purpose. Therefore, ladies, we really need to learn to trust God in every aspect of our life. We need to learn to trust when we are in pain, when our heart is broken, we need to accept that God's hands are involved in our life, the good times and the painful times. Now, there is a vast difference between acceptance and either resignation or submission. When we resign ourselves to a difficult situation simply because we see no other alternative, or we can submit to the sovereignty of God in our circumstances with a little amount of reluctance. Or we can have an attitude of acceptance, a willingness to trust God that says we know that he loves us and that we know that he knows what's best for us in our life. Ladies, we will go through adversities, whether it's a natural disaster or physical affliction. But remember that God is there with us and that there is a reason why and that we can grow spiritually through these circumstances. 
remember Paul and Job and how they had an experiential knowledge of God as they went through the adversities that they went through. And that's what we should strive for, is that experiential knowledge, that deep relationship with our loving Father and Savior who knows us and has total control of our life. Next week, we are going to be looking at God's sovereignty and our responsibility. As we look at Lessons 6 in the study guide in Chapter 7 in our book, Trusting God. Until then, God bless.